0: Hello and welcome to Fire Away, Rudner Law's online Q&A show focused on the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Rudner, I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and your host of Fire Away. Just a reminder, we stream online every month on the second Tuesday of the month usually, although this month it's a Wednesday. Uh, Past episodes, in case you missed one or you want to watch one again, are always available on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel, and on our website. If you have any questions, I love taking questions live, so feel free to post them, uh, comments on YouTube or Facebook, or tweet them to Law, and we'll be happy to try to answer them. Uh, Today, I'm very happy to tell you that my guest is Hilda Gann. Hilda Gann is an HR consultant, speaker, coach, and trainer who specializes in workplace culture. She's the founder and chief people officer, and I love that title, chief people officer of PeopleBright Consulting. Recently... Hilda was received the Business Women's Network of York Region Literacy Award. So I congratulate Hilda for that. And uh, Hilda and I have worked together a number of times in recent years, including cannabis conferences. And next week, she's going to be at the O Cannabis Conference with our associate, Sean Bernstein. So we've spoken on cannabis a number of times. But Hilda, I'm really glad to have you on Fireway today.
1: Hi, Stuart. So glad to be here. Nice to have be invited to your podcast after speaking several occasions on cannabis in the workplace. Yeah,
0: yeah we seem to have uh, similar approaches to most things, but we'll try to find out, uh, find some areas where perhaps we can have a, a bit of a, a disagreement or at least a different approach to things. Although that might be a challenge. Uh, today, Hilda and I are going to be talking about or taking an updated look at cannabis in the workplace. We're now six months into the legalized cannabis era. Uh, we're going to be talking about what we've seen, uh, issues that we've seen arise, and the interesting twist here is we now have brick-and-mortar retail cannabis stores in Ontario, and that's an interesting workplace and raises some interesting issues. So, if we have time, we're going to talk about that as well. So, Hilda, again, thanks for joining me, and let me start by asking you. You know, six months in, I've been saying this for a while now that you know I said it on day one, month one, month three the sky hasn't fallen, as a lot of people thought it was going to. I've seen a handful of issues. I've dealt with you know, a handful of issues for clients where there's been impairment or use at work or suspicion of impairment or use at work, but it really has not been, been a big deal from what I've seen. Uh, what have you seen over the last six months?
1: I, I think you're right. I think there that it, it, it hasn't kind of burst open and made great waves, but I also think the reason it hasn't is because it's kind of buried. People are not addressing it. When I when I talk to some of my clients and some of my colleagues, people really have not um, created their policies and procedures to address cannabis. A lot of people are in denial. As companies, they say, "Well, you know, I only have five people, or or it, there's nothing in my workplace." Well, the thing is, there probably is things people who are on it for medical reasons, but you don't know it because they're afraid to declare. And I think the one thing that that really hasn't gone away is the stigma. I mean, those people that have been using it for recreational can now openly use it for recreational. But those people that are using it medically, some of them are still hiding. Some of them are still keeping quiet. I remember talking to one of my former uh, staff members And when I told him that I was going to be speaking at a cannabis conference, he said, who would ever thought my boss (laughs) would be speaking about cannabis? And then within the same second, he said, you know, Hilda, my uncle is a, a minister and he takes it for joint pain, but he would never, ever tell his parishioners because there's that stigma. So I think, I think it's bury your head in the sand.
0: Yeah, and you said that the other day in our pre, uh, pre-show call, and I think it's a great expression that I'm hearing more and more of, and, and you're right, it's kind of the two opposite ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, you know, for years before legalization, I, I encountered so many employers who were just up in arms that it was gonna be anarchy in the workplace between the need to accommodate medicinal use and legalization of recreational use it was like you know every employment or every every workplace was gonna be a drug den and the lunchroom was going to become you know, a bunch of guys smoking up and watching bad reruns while eating Cheetos uh, and people were just terrified of what was going to happen and then of course you know October seventeenth, two 2018 came and not much happened but you're right a lot of people especially when it comes to medicinal use are scared to ask for accommodation because they're scared that their employer is going to say, oh, you're using cannabis, or more more likely the employer is going to say, oh, you're smoking up, you can't work here, and toss them out because they have no concept of the fact that, A, they have to accommodate, but B, in many cases, if you're using cannabis medicinally, there's no impairment whatsoever, and that's one thing that I learned. I have had the pleasure over the last few years of presenting at conferences uh, across the country on issues of cannabis in the workplace. And a lot of these conferences were medical conferences where it was a lot of doctors, nurses, benefits providers. I was the only lawyer. So I probably learned more than I I taught others about how cannabis actually works, the different forms, the different different types and different strengths, but also the fact that in many cases, there is no impairment whatsoever. So there isn't even a need for accommodation. But to your point, people are still scared of of the reaction when they say that they're using it.
1: So I'm going to fire away here and say that that there can be impairment there I, I mean it's it's like taking like a diabetic taking insulin people are self-regulating and then sometimes you know they've had extra anxiety or they have extra pain and they take a little bit more that may be the amount that gets them loopy I actually had somebody who was um uh, speaking with me one day and I thought that's not the same person and the reason why they were you um, they were not on their game, and you know, more trying to speak, right? And they're not on their game is because she told me she was having extreme, excruciating pain that day, so she took a little bit more. So she was a little bit impacted by it. Put it that way. So I think the difficulty when people are medicinally using is that they are self-regulating, and some days they're you know, they're trying to take it. It's like when you have a cold, you take too much of the cold medicine you may not be as functional as you would be on another day so i'm, I'm firing away on that on for you
0: i love it you're the first guest is actually actively fired away so i appreciate that <laughs> and well, I rob, thought that's
1: what it's supposed to be fire away
0: i love it and, and rob make a note there from now on we should actually test our guests before they come on <laughs> i don't want someone you know, else our
1: aim <laughs> is right
0: <laughs> we don't want to be loopy on this show although it might make for good uh, good entertainment um, but you hit on another point of mine, that a point that I often make, which is medical. People were up in arms because of medical cannabis, but what about the fact that you have employees already who are taking Nyquil or codeine uh, no, or Tylenol or all, all night diabetes with the brand is a safe.
1: great example.
0: Yeah, it's, and so they're impaired, but no one thinks twice about it, uh, and that's where I find it interesting because a lot of people now. And I want to talk about policies. So I know you're uh, you're very vocal about the need for updated policies. It's amazing how people say, we, we want to have a cannabis policy. And I say, you don't need a cannabis policy. You yeah, need no. a good drug, drug and alcohol policy, which will address things like any type of medication that will cause impairment, including, but not limited to, cannabis. Um, but again, to your point about people burning their heads in the sand, a lot of companies aren't uh, aren't doing it yet.
1: Well, they'll ask me, they'll say, so, so what if I do have somebody? What do I do? And I say, well, that's where we have to have that discussion, because I think people don't of think about what to do and it, it isn't just about cannabis it's any difficult discussion when a staff member comes to you with a you know you know i i need to take medical cannabis for for you know my joint pain you have that duty to accommodate but then they they'll either you know bury their head in the sand or they'll get reactionary and say oh well they're you know they're a diabetic or they're on cannabis i have to accommodate them But you have two other things. You have to make sure you have a safe workplace, safe for that individual, safe for the employees, the other employees. And on the other hand, you have the duty to inquire. If a person is not doing their job, whether they're a diabetic or they're on medical cannabis, you have have the right to say they're not performing. The recreational are a different thing, but with the medical, you do have that duty to accommodate, but you have the right to inquire about performance.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And, and you're stealing my thunder because in my rant at the end of the show, when I get to fire away, I'm gonna talk about the fact that so many employers are burying their heads in the sand. And in particular, they're not meeting their duty to inquire. They're actually running away from that duty. Uh, it's great point and a great point as well, that when people hear duty to accommodate again, you know, they freak out and think, okay, we're now gonna have all these people who are high at work and we can't fire them, and we have to let them go and do their jobs. And yeah. okay. the extreme example I had was someone say, well, I have a trucking company. Does that mean I've got to let my employees get behind the wheel of an, of an 18-wheeler when they're impaired? Which, and of course, the answer is no. The duty to accommodate will never go that far. Okay. Uh, but it does mean that you've got to be educated as far as understanding what the impacts might mean and asking for documentation. And Hilda, I'm not sure if you're seeing a lot of this, but... One of the things we've been doing with our clients is putting in not only policies but also procedures. So you get the request for accommodation, or it's not even usually phrased that way. Usually, if someone comes to their supervisor and says, "I'm using you know cannabis for my joint pain or whatever," uh, the supervisors, the managers, HR, they all have to know what do you do next? What is the accommodation process? What documentation can you ask, can you ask for? And then you assess whether you can accommodate or not. Are, are you seeing? employers going through that process or are they really just going of be having knee-jerk reactions
1: i think they're just handling it one-on-one because you know they don't think they're going to have a uh, the need for a form and and yet uh, they probably need to document something and and, and get back to people because i think the difficulty is number one you have to have that conversation and number two you have to follow up on what you're going to do and that's just that's just general rules for accommodation. It's it's not just about cannabis, right? And I think that gets to the point where I really talk about education. And to me, it's educating people. And it's educating people about what is cannabis and what can what is not cannabis. And so that's that whole idea of stigma. But then also teaching managers what they should be doing. Um, because they—they're the ones that can actually say something that are going to affect the company. They're going to affect the company when they do something that will put a taint on their brand, that could create um, human rights discrimination or could create a situation where there's bullying. So this whole idea of cannabis brings into the fact of of the, of these of these legislative requirements, which I also think that companies are not doing a good job of. They're not doing necessarily a good job of writing the policies on them, and they're not doing a good job of educating their staff of what the rights are in those areas. So to me, it's all about educating it, and it starts with the managers. Educating managers to have, what do you do? What are are the rights of employees? Therefore, what should you not say? You can't say, you're smoking pot, you're out of here get out of here and meanwhile
0: lawyers love that, it when that happens it keeps us
1: yeah back. you're gonna you're gonna be in business too <laughs> I'm gonna be on the phone hey Stuart uh, somebody's just put their foot in their mouth could you could you talk to these people and let's make it kind of a, a little bit smoother sailing from this point on now that they've just put this big wall up against the so, I mean, it's all about educating managers to say the right things and not to get their companies in trouble. You don't want to see their name plastered on, a, on the newspaper because they've just really created a human rights issue or a workplace violence, bullying type of issue. So to me, it's always about education. And the third one is those difficult dis- discussions because people don't necessarily know. Managers are taught, that managers are promoted typically because they're good technically, and they're good at managing the projects. But the people skills, they didn't necessarily get the education for that. Maybe they don't have the aptitude for that. So where do they learn that? And that's one of the things I like to do is I like to come in and help companies teach their managers how to be good managers. Know a little about the legislation so you don't get in trouble, but learn how to manage effectively. And one of those is those difficult discussions. People just don't know what to do. They'll go, Oh, well, you know, oh, that's nice. Okay, Uh, see you tomorrow. (laughs) That was, yeah, I talked to him. I did talk to him. Right, you did talk to him. So one of the things I like to do is teach people what to do. Number one, listen, you know, and hear what they have to say before you quickly judge why this person was, you know, impaired. Because that person might be impaired because they took too much medication because they were on stress, not because they deliberately wanted to come in high. Right. That's an example.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And actually, you and I would compliment each other really well because we go in also with a lot of training. Uh, But the training, of course, we do is more on the legal side of what are your duties when it comes to accommodation, how should you respond to requests for accommodation. Uh, But you can then talk about the actual handling the difficult conversation uh, and all those those issues. So we can actually do that very well together. Uh, But you hit another point, which is listen. And what I was going to add is record. If someone comes to you and says, I'm using medical cannabis, that's got to be noted in their file.
1: I've got something tinkering back there. So yeah, I thought I turned cream everything cream. off. Can I turn that off? Otherwise, people will be very annoyed to hear it. I'll be back in one second.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'll just keep talking while Hilda goes and gets some ice cream from the ice cream truck, is what it sounded like. Or at least that's what I thought. Um, but important point here is, you know, Hilda said, someone comes to your supervisor or your manager and says, I'm using medical cannabis. Listen, <laughs> don't judge. Uh, Okay, hold this back. This is good. That's what
1: happens when you go live. I thought I turned everything off.
0: It's always going to be something. Um, But yeah, listen, don't judge. Record it in the person's file because at some point if this becomes contentious. They're going to say, well, yeah, I spoke to my manager. They were fully aware that I had a prescription for cannabis. And there's, oh, there's nothing in the file. So every manager, every supervisor has to be trained on what to do in that circumstance. And then where do you go from here? Because, of course, the discussion can't end there it's got to go to HR or whoever is going to deal with the possibility that accommodation is required. So, and I know I was going to mention this because I know you do a lot of in-house training. You're you're doing, or you're going to be doing some online training as well. Is that right?
1: I'm, I'm actually launching a, um, a new manager training program, which I'll do live for the first few times, but uh, afterwards I'll bring it on into online training. Because as I said, I think one of the things I like to do is really create that opportunity for people to to learn the human resources uh processes and how to manage people effectively so I'm quite excited about about doing that Uh, the other thing that you're referring to is we I've been doing some HR in the workplace uh, uh modules for a company called International Cannabis Solutions, and we've actually just got a contract with a um, I guess state-of-the-art software company who does e-learning, and we're, we're talking four dimensions versus the standard three dimensions and using AI, so I'm quite excited about it, and it's going to be going online and be available to people so that they can can get the information that they need about HR and cannabis in the workplace.
0: That should be great. So when's that going to be ready?
1: I don't know, we signed the contract, that's why I won't mention the name just in case something's uh, gone funky, but we signed the contract with them and they said they can probably produce it within the next eight to 10 weeks. So we're oh, excited wow. about bringing that online.
0: I thought you were gonna say months, so that's uh, that's really good.
1: No, no, they said fast. I think I added a few weeks just in case.
0: <laughs> I mean, so much of this is I like think we keep saying, it's all about education and policies and procedures. And you said something too, which I wanted to pick up on because it's important. The request for accommodation of medical cannabis is no different than any other request for accommodation yeah. Yeah. and whether it's other medication Whether it's a disability whether it's child care obligations and this is where we see a lot of companies get themselves into trouble. Because they've got a process for Handling requests for accommodation of a disability for example, so everybody knows that somebody breaks their leg Okay, we have a process to go through for how we accommodate them, but someone comes to the their manager and says I have now Child care obligations. I need to adjust my hours or I've got a prescription for medical marijuana or medical cannabis Any of these things and people don't understand it's the same process And people need to be trained on the fact that it's the same process and when you do the same thing You have a protocol you can't be accused of discriminating against them So you treat everyone the same way
1: But the important thing is that they have a protocol and they follow it because that you and you'll, you'll you'll share this but if they don't have something in writing, if they don't follow up in writing, that's what's going to bite them when they get the, on the phone and they talk to the lawyer and and you just weakened your case because you have not followed stuff uh, it, by, by writing it down and documenting it. So that's really important. One of the things I, I do want to talk about is is really making sure people understand the education of just cannabis, what it is and what it's not, because I think it's polar. You know, there are people who are very pro and there are people that are very against. And regardless, in the workplace, we all have to work together. We all have to be respectful and support each other. So one of the things that people, companies should do is really have those open, healthy discussions. Because I think the more you learn about the other polarization, the better. Uh, in in my journey for the last few years, I've been exposed to people who really are enjoying the buzz, people who are using it medically, and people who say, "No, no way! Look at the children! Look what's going to happen!" And, and woe is me, the world is going to end. which she said it didn't. And one of the things right. I started doing, and when I was training, was say uh, the, what I call the gut check. You know, close your eyes, and when you think about cannabis, what do you think about? You know, is it a pleasant experience or is it, oh, my God, no, no. And by doing that gut check, that will help you figure out where you stand with cannabis. And in understanding that, then you can be a better manager or a better employee because you're going to deal with your differences and try to be at least neutral and respective when you talk to other people who may be on polar opposites.
0: Such a great point. And and it's a great point to make people take a step back and realize that a lot of their attitudes are are formed by these these prejudgments that they make. So, you know, they have one image of someone who uses cannabis and it's probably, if it's negative, it's probably the sort of guy smoking up in an alleyway. It's not someone using it medicinally or even legally. Uh, It's a pretty antiquated view. And if you come in with that attitude as a manager and someone comes to you and says, I'm using cannabis to help me with my stress or pain from cancer treatments or whatever, the immediate response is going to be negative. Yeah. Uh, and all of a yeah. sudden, as you said, you're going to be on the phone with your lawyer, uh, and all of a sudden you're going to be risking liability. And this is where, I mean, you do a lot of ed- education, we do a lot of education, we also do a lot of helping our clients put the policies in place, put the procedures in place, uh, and then we do a lot of the training as well. But it is, it is so critical. So to your point about not putting your head in the sand. Be proactive, as you said, and the other thing that we're seeing is really, we're encouraging our clients to have really strong policies, not just for cannabis, but for drugs and alcohol generally, and then make sure everyone knows what they say, because I can't tell you how many times I've seen companies that have very good policies, but nobody knows what they say because they sit on a shelf and gather dust or on intranet, internet and gather digital dust or whatever the equivalent is. Education is critical.
1: So here's my tidbit for HR professionals and business owners out there is, You know, learn as much as you can through your lawyers. If they offer uh, educational sessions, go. Because what that does for me as an HR professional and as a business owner is that I know what problems are out there. I know what the case law is saying. So I'm going to make sure I create the policies that reflect how to reduce the risk of my company, but also balance that with trying to create this positive work culture in in a company. So yes, I I really, anytime I can get my hands on a legal seminar, that doesn't cost me an arm and a leg, I'm going to go to it because I learn, I learn what it takes to stay out of trouble.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for saying that. And there's a lot of great information out there. Our firm puts out a lot of information, including this show for free. Uh, so check out our website, check out our blog, check out our newsletter, all of our social media feeds, which talk about a lot of this stuff. And then it's critical that you have the policies in place. And we work with our clients, ideally proactively. Realistically, what usually happens is a company gets burned once. And they learn their lesson because it costs them a lot of money, and then they come to us, and we can now be strategic and, and you know put their legal fees to good use as opposed to just minimizing damage. Uh, so thank you for that plug. And uh, I know we're all we're almost at of time. We we did say we we're going to talk about the uh, retail cannabis stores, so let's at least uh, address that briefly because I think it does raise some interesting issues. I was at a conference. Uh, I'm the director of the HR Law for HR Professionals course at Osgood Professional Development in Toronto, and yesterday was day three. One of our attendees used to work at the LCBO in, uh, in HR, and so we were talking about cannabis stores and she said, yeah, it's not unlike a liquor store or LCBO, where there's a risk that you're going to have either addicts who will come in and be aggressive or even violent. There's a risk of armed robbery. Uh, and so a lot of unusual or, or less than typical risks for employees. Uh, have you dealt with any of those situations or seen the training that's required for whether it be a cannabis store or an alcohol store?
1: I, I know the training for the the alcohol well, the alcohol stores and servers because they really need to deal with people who maybe a little bit intoxicated or inebriated or or telling them no they can't buy more or they can't go so so that that's the same with cannabis and I think that that is the biggest worry I think with cannabis there's a little bit more education I forget what it's called sir canada or something but all all servers must take this but in the cannabis world they need to add on to that about the education of cannabis um, learning what cannabis is what to recommend or not recommend and i guess you and i had a discussion the other days well, i'm a nurse or er, my early profession was nursing and so so understanding from a professional perspective and licensing will companies retail companies get into trouble if they if their customer service representatives say hey you should try this and recommend it and then the person doesn't hear all the instructions and they they take twice as many or three times as many and maybe they end up in the hospital not because they're overdosed but but slightly overdosed to the point that they're sick and they they need to have you know they need to come down a bit Mm -hmm. so whether that will result in any legal cases as a result of that I think that's a kind of a, a rocky edge from a from a from the cannabis retail side for me.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point. And of course, you know, all the media coverage of the, the retail stores that have opened are really focusing on the fact that it's not just sort of an over-the-counter transaction. There's a lot of education going on. People are coming in and they want to know all about all the different types and plants that they can buy, et cetera. So you need to have staff who are extremely well-trained, um, but also real trained to making sure people understand the instructions that are being given. So that's one risk. The other risk is safety. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the next few years as we see more and more of these stores opening. So we're now at 12.56, so as I said to you, time will fly by. So um, Hilda, let me thank you. I really appreciate the fact that you joined us. Um, And for anybody who's interested in learning more about Hilda and what she does, you can go to, Let me get this right, www.peoplebrightconsulting.com. So Hilda, thank you again, and uh, any last words?
1: I, it's just been, it's been fun. It's been educational. And I hope the people out there have really taken away some nuggets that will make them think about their, 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 their roles as managers and as companies. Thanks a lot for having me, Stuart.
0: No, thank you again. And uh, I know Sean's going to be at that conference with you next yeah. week. And I know we will have a chance to work together again. So I look forward yeah. to it. So, Looking so thank
1: forward you to it. Okay. Bye.
0: Bye. All right. Well, Hilda got her chance to fire away earlier, so I guess now is my time. Rob, are we good to go? All right, Stuart Rudner here with My Turn to Fire Away for April 2019, and what I wanna talk about today is something that came up in season two, episode three with Hilda Gann. Um, The concept that employers, and it's a very simple message for you, stop burying your heads in the sand. Stop hoping that things that you know are gonna be issues will just go away and that everything will turn out okay because the reality is it almost never does. We see this all too often and usually when our firm gets involved it's because things didn't turn out okay. It's because there are very real issues and we're now spending time and trying to help you fix the problem as opposed to avoiding the problem. And you know, the, the, the old expression is really, really true. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So if you think there's an issue, deal with it. And I know this sounds self-serving, get your employment lawyer involved, figure out how to deal with it properly and strategically, which is what we love doing, it's working strategically. Otherwise, you're gonna end up calling us when there is an issue, and we're gonna have to start trying to fix it, and you're gonna spend a lot more money. So when I talk about burying your head in the sand, what are we talking about? And I've got some examples here, so let me just go, uh, there we go, I got my notes. Some examples. So one comes out of the topic we talked about in Season 2, Episode 3, and other episodes before of Fire Away, which is cannabis in the workplace. So you suspect that you have an employee who has a cannabis addiction or a drug or alcohol addiction of any kind, and you know that if you find out for sure, you're going to have to accommodate them. So instead of asking or even giving them the chance to ask for accommodation themselves, you rush and terminate their employment. That's one example. The other example is you've got a long-term employee. They've been a great performer for years. All of a sudden, their performance is slipping. Maybe their attendance is questionable. And you know, or one of their managers or supervisors knows that there's probably something going on there. Maybe it's a mental health issue. It could be a depression issue. It could be, again, an addiction issue. Whatever it is, again, you're worried that if you say to them, what's going on? And they say, I have an addiction or I'm suffering from depression, you're going to have to accommodate them. You know enough to know that you don't want to know. Therefore, you bury your head in the sand and you rush to terminate them. And again, what's going to end up happening in this case typically is that they're now going to turn around and file a claim and say that you knew or you ought to have known that they had this mental health issue or this addiction issue. The other situation we see this happening more often lately. We talked about you know the Me Too movement and sexual harassment in the workplace. So you have someone who comes to HR and reports that they're being sexually harassed by their manager and so okay you know enough to know we've now got to go down the investigation route and you start going down that route and i've seen this happen many times and then the complainant comes in and says i can't do any anymore. i quit i'm leaving and then i've seen too many employers who see this as a victory all of a sudden now we don't have to do the investigation it's a win and so they bury their heads in the sand and allow that manager to continue managing uh knowing or at least they should know that this manager is a ticking time bomb and what usually happens is they harass somebody else And the next claim you get is not just that they were being harassed, but that you as a company knew or ought to have known that this manager had a propensity for harassment and yet you did nothing to stop it, you did nothing to protect the employees, therefore you've exposed yourself to even more damages. And this is a problem that we see all too often is that instead of dealing with it and incurring some minimal cost of either accommodating or investigating, you bury your head in the sand, ignore it, and end up paying a lot more in terms of damages could be extraordinary damages, punitive, bad faith, and, of course, legal fees involved. Again, it's far more costly to, to fix a problem than to prevent a problem. So when we talk about burying your head in the sand, the op, you know basically what that is is willful blindness. It is choosing not to know something. And when a court finds that you knew or, more importantly, ought to have known, there was enough there that, as as Hilda Gann said in Season 2, Episode 3 of Fire Away, you had a duty to inquire. If you knew enough to inquire, but you chose not to deliberately, you're willfully blind, courts are not going to be at all sympathetic. And they are going to penalize you even more than you would have been penalized just for the action or whatever it is you did or, or didn't do. So you've got to be, you've got to deal with the issues as they arise. You can't bury your head in the sand and hope that they go away, because they they almost never do. It's far better to be proactive. Update your policies, update your procedures. And this is again something we talked about in Fire Away make sure your procedures are in place and clear and everyone is trained on what the procedures are. So request for accommodation or a duty to inquire. You have a supervisor who notices that one of their employees is all of a sudden underperforming, having spotty attendance, and they suspect maybe it's a depression issue or an addiction issue. They need to understand what they have to do, what they have to, when they have to inquire, uh, and that they can't just ignore it. So we do a lot of that training, we help you do your policies, your procedures, and then we'll come in and we'll help you train your managers and your supervisors, making sure everyone knows what their obligations are, and how to handle the situation. So no one is tempted to just bury their head in the sand, and hope it goes away, because it almost never does. And it usually ends up costing you a lot more in the long run. So that's my two cents worth today. And uh, you got here for free. That's all the time we have for episode three of season two of Fire Away. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and in particular, I want to thank Hilda again for joining me as my guest. We had not surprisingly a great discussion about cannabis in the workplace six months into the era of legalized recreational use. Our next episode is going to be on Tuesday, May 21st. I'm going to be enjo- joined by immigration and citizen- citizenship lawyer, Christina uh, Greta of Greta and Spiegel. Uh, that should be a really interesting discussion, talking about the intersection of immigration laws and employment laws, and at Rudner Law, we often have clients who are bringing workers in from other countries and trying to figure out what the rules are as to how you do that and make sure they're allowed to work legally in Canada. If you have any questions about today's episode, any suggestions for future episodes, feel free to email us at info Again, if you missed an episode or if you want to see one again, check them out. They're always available on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, on our website. Uh, And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get notifications of shows and also everything else that's going on Please keep in touch with us with us throughout the month. So sign up for the newsletter check out our blog check out our social media feeds Uh, And also and I say this every month Please remember that none of this replaces legal advice if you think you need an employment lawyer You probably do so please reach out to us. There's no harm done to reach out We're happy to talk to you if we can help you great if not Again, no harm done. We'll be happy to talk to you and see if we can help you. So lastly, thank you to Rob. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Mark, for making me look good, hopefully, and hoping the show went uh, as smoothly as it did today. I think it one of our smoothest ever. Again, thank you, Hilda, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And that's it for today. Have a great day.